0: Lovely hymn that we sing at Hebron. There's coming a day when no heartaches shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. What a day that'll be. No more clouds. The clouds keep the sun away. But you know, praise God, there'll come a day when the clouds will be gone forever. Let's think of these. What a day that will be when my Jesus, I shall see. Oh, hymn tonight is the lovely hymn. Sister Pearl Dewey always says to me, sometimes when we sing this hymn, this is what Christine sang when she was going with me. There will never be a sweeter story. There's nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's about a far more important thing. It's about a far more important person. And of course, it's all about the love of the Saviour for you and I. We'll stand together while we make this our opening hymn and let's sing our very best while we sing please. Peter Craig with us tonight and we're going to ask our dear brother to come and to open in a word of prayer please
1: let's bow in the Lord's presence and ask for his blessing upon us this evening as we meet let's pray our God and our Father we bow humbly and reverently In thy most holy presence, we approach that throne which is above every other throne. We approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Father, we thank you that we approach that throne only in the precious name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, for those of us who believe, indeed, his name is precious. And, Father, as we come to this meeting this evening, and, Father, as we seek to herald the gospel one more time, we thank you, Father, for the grace that we have been singing of already that has met many of us on our way. For many of us here this evening, we can cry out hallelujah to our Savior. What a Savior we have. And we are so pleased to come to this place and to make him known. Father, we come to preach Christ crucified. Uh, Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of the the cross of Calvary. We thank you that the Savior left the azure halls of heaven and came to this sin-sick world. He was despised and rejected, and he went to that cross of Calvary. We thank you, Father, that indeed the Lord Jesus Christ calls out tonight to the sinner to come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and i will give you rest and father we pray for those in this gathering tonight who don't know the lord jesus christ as their savior oh father we pray that in this place this evening uh, that you indeed would charge the atmosphere with your presence that we would know oh god that you are here we thank you we don't need to invite you to this place oh god for you have promised where two or three are gathered in my name There am I in the midst of them. Father, we thank you that you're with us. But, O God, we pray as your word is open that it will not return unto thee void. We pray, Father, that the voice of God would speak in a mighty way in this place tonight. Father, you are a holy God. And, Father, you see into the depths of the man's soul and nothing is hidden from you. And so, Father, as we bow in this place tonight, We pray that by your spirit you would convict the sinner. And, Father, we pray that you would save a precious soul. Father, glorify your name in this place tonight, we pray. We pray that you would fall. And, Father, we will be very careful at the end of the night to return unto thee all the glory, all the honor, all the praise for what you will do. Give us reason to rejoice tonight, O God. Father, give the angels in heaven reason to rejoice. May we see a soul come to trust Christ as Savior. We thank you, Father, already at this mission you have been saving. And so, Father, we pray again that you would move with salvation blessing. Father, we pray that you would move in a special way. And we plead this for your glory. Father, we ask this all in the precious name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Peter, for bringing us to the throne of grace and prayer. We're going to sing our theme hymn, I Heard an Old, Old Story, How the Saviour Came from Glory, How He Gave His Life on Calvary. We'll stand together while we sing this lovely hymn, please. tonight to have Lucy Jane back with us in Ballymoney. Peter came as Mr. Park often says and stole her away and, but we have forgiven him um, we're delighted that they're both with us and we're going to ask uh, Lucy Jane to come now and to minister in song please.
2: still does He will make of you Someone new Cleanse the sin that was The Holy Spirit whispers No more must you be enslaved Just believe it Jesus saves We talk of heaven's beauty And that's good We talk of loving others, and we should. But to a dying world, the greatest thing that we can say is take a look at Calvary, Jesus saves. Jesus saves, he still does. He will make of you someone new. Cleanse the sin that was The Holy Spirit whispers No more must you be enslaved Just believe it Jesus saves We have heard the joyful sound Jesus saves, Jesus saves Spread the tidings all around Jesus saves, Jesus saves Bear the news to every land Climb the steeps and cross the waves Onward is our Lord's command Jesus saves, Jesus saves Jesus saves, he still does He will make of you Someone new Cleanse the sin that was The Holy Spirit Whispers no more Must you be enslaved Just believe it Jesus Saves The Holy Spirit whispers No more must You be enslaved Just Jesus saves.
3: <laughs>
2: Pass me not, O gentle Savior, Oh throne of mercy find a sweet relief kneeling there in deep country
0: you, Lucy Jane, for ministering to us in song, and you'll be coming back in a moment or two just uh, to sing to us again. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name, and we thank you again, and as we often say, we never take it for granted that you come and you support the Gospel Campaign here uh, in Dalriada, we trust and pray that as you've come, the Lord will bless you, uh, even as you've come to be with us tonight. We welcome those in Sermon Audio on Facebook and YouTube remember the mission as it continues each night at eight pm, preceded by the time of prayer at seven thirty. Just to remind that ourselves that there will be a change of venue uh, on Thursday night, and that is because this hall will be used for uh, a parents' evening uh, for the school. Tomorrow is the Senior Prize Day here at the school, and that's the reason why. All the chairs are on the platform uh, behind us. And so please remember the mission on Thursday night will be uh, in the church at Hebron uh, on Market Street. Tomorrow night we're here and the Reverend Craig Greenfield will be along to minister to us in song. Thursday night, Mr. Jonathan Logan, and then Friday night, Mrs. Joy Boyd will minister in song. So do remember these meetings. Continue to pray continue to pray that the lord will bless the preaching of his word we're going to sing together have you any room for jesus he who bore your notice of sin as he knocks and asks admission sinner will you let him in think of these words as we sing a couple of verses uh, the first two verses only of this hymn standing while we sing please as we've said, to have Lucy with us tonight. We ask you to, come in, to continue to remember Peter and Lucy as they labour for the Lord in the Grange. Peter is the Baptist pastor there, and as they both now serve together as husband and wife, as pastor and uh, wife of the pastor in that place, pray that the Lord will bless their ministry and that the Lord will come and visit the Grange and every other part of County Antrim and this island with the blessing of the gospel. Lucy Jane, come and minister to us in song, and then the Reverend Park will bring God's word to us. Thank you.
2: A story more than a song. His love is gentle, yet it's so strong. His grace everlasting just won't let you go. unending and D. first forgive. Took
4: Set that down out of the way. No chair in the night. Bid you welcome. Good to see you. If you're here for the first time, and I think some are, we're glad that you've come to this Tuesday night. Just sitting thinking, four more nights, that's all, of this mission. And those four nights will go so quickly. Can I encourage you to come as often as you can these final nights? Can I encourage God's people to pray, come to the prayer meeting, and be with us in a place where, as the scripture says, prayer is wont to be made. And let's seek the Lord on behalf of the mission. <clears throat> Will you turn with me to the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, and the chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We've asked you this week also to remember this school's ministry. We had a really good time in Castle Row Primary School this morning. It's the first time that we've been there. And again, very well received by the staff and the children. Lovely time, I have to say, uh, ministering the word of God with them. And then tomorrow at nine o'clock, the high school with the the junior end of the school. And then at half past nine, the Laney uh, Primary School and then in the afternoon up to do the SU at Gary Duff. So we're looking forward to uh, serving the Lord tomorrow. We don't know what a day brings forth. Haven't we often reminded you about that? And maybe you have reminded yourself about that reality. Do you know the Savior? (coughs) Mrs. Craig, thank you for coming tonight. She's got a change of name, and... uh, Good to have Pastor Craig, and as Mervyn said, we wish you well in the preaching of the word in the greens, that the Lord's blessing will be there too, and that you'll see many brought to Christ and the kingdom of God extended. But we don't know what a day brings forth. I was coming home from um, Castle Row School. I went the back road uh, because I think it was going to be easier to find the school, and then we came home the other way. And we got to the Lodge Road roundabout. You know, roundabout everybody just loves. Uh, But the road was closed coming off the roundabout if you were heading to Bellamoney. Something serious had happened. Um, Just looking at what I saw, I didn't really see two cars involved in an accident, but there was an accident just at the junction. I think it's where uh, someone maybe was crossing the The junction of the traffic lights and whoever it was i'm assuming from what i saw they were knocked down there were four police cars there were two ambulances and as we passed by we could see somebody being treated and you know the silver blankets the heated blankets being brought just to keep them warm and i just don't know how it went with that individual you see you could be just out in the road, maybe involved in a car accident or maybe knocked down and could take your life? Do you know the Savior? Do you know Christ? Because that's what the mission's all about, to tell you about Christ. It is to prepare you for eternity and that you might get right with God and start for heaven. My mind and heart is drawn to the the final words in Revelation chapter 3. We take the reading up at verse 14. If you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, you know that these are messages that the Lord instructed the Apostle John to write to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And this is the seventh one that we're going to read about, the church that was located in the city of Laodicea. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou wert neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, And have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as, also I, even as I also overcame and am sat down, With my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And we would say, He that hath an ear in this meeting tonight, let him hear not what I'm saying, but what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart. We believe God has a message for you. Let's pray, ask the Lord's help. Loving God and gracious Father, Prepare our hearts for this closing part of the service. Again, we praise thee for all that has gone before in the ministry and song and in the songs of the congregation have sung together. And We believe very much part of what a gospel meeting is, is about as we worship the Lord, as we sing about Christ, as we seek to prepare our hearts even for this time, coming to your word and listening to what the Spirit of God has to say. We prayed that we will see ourselves as God sees us, not as we think ourselves to be. This church thought themselves to be all right. They were, they were fine, rich, and increased with goods, and they didn't need anything. It seemed as if they didn't even need the Lord. But all the time they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And Father, we want to have the spotlight of God upon us tonight. We want the light of God's truth to shine in and give illumination There are those here tonight and they're not the Lord's. They're not saved by your grace and they need Christ more than anything else in their life. And we pray that by your power, you will single them out and help them to sit up and listen to what God is saying and not only listen, but to take heed to it and to do something about it and seek the Lord while he may be found. Help the preacher, weak as I am, I come to thee for strength. Baptize me now with God, the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Jesus Christ has always got a message for his church to instruct them, to guide them, to lead them in the right way. And, And what we need is a listening ear. As we've read here, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what God is saying. Moved in the heart of John, the Holy Spirit causes him to to pen these letters. These are letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. It's not always easy to receive a message from God. Sometimes it's a message of encouragement, and we all love to be encouraged, but at other times it's a message of rebuke. And nobody really likes to receive the rebukes that God gives, to, as we said earlier, come under the spotlight of God and for the Lord to, to shine his light upon the defects and and the sins. That were guilty off, and yet that's what's happening here. Seven churches, five of them, are singled out by the Lord for censure. Five of them had serious defects in them. Only two had words of commendation only said about them. The first letter was sent to Ephesus, the church who had left its first love. The second one was sent to Smyrna. They were commended for their, their good works and their suffering. For the cause of the gospel uh, This is one of the two That were not rebuked The third one was Pergamus. They had tolerated false doctrine Within the church The fourth one is Tharatara. They were corrupted by immorality And idolatry The fifth one was Sardis A name to live they had But they were dead It was just hypocrisy And then the sixth one Philadelphia The other one of the two that is commended by the Lord, they are particularly praised for their faithfulness. We have read about the seventh one, Laodicea, condemned for its lukewarmness. All these messages were sent to the Christian churches. Most of them had failed and grieved the Lord. And I'm going to elaborate just a little on the seventh one. Laodicea was one of the richest commercial centers in the world. It was noted for its banking, manufacture of clothing, and the famous medical school that was there. This church was situated in an affluent society, and they thought they had it made. But a heavy charge is brought against this church by the one that knew them better than they knew themselves. And we read that charge in verse 15. I know thy works. And that's something that is said about all the churches. You probably know that if you've studied these letters. Every single time. As Christ looks down into the church. Looks down into individual hearts. He knows us through and through. And he's saying that to these people. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. He says. And so. Here's a church guilty of lukewarmness, indifference. This is one of the worst sins that can be found among professing Christians. In fact, as you study the seven letters, the worst is left to the end. This is the worst church out of the seven. If Christianity is real, and it is, well then we ought to be earnest. We ought to be enthusiastic. We ought to be zealous. For Christianity and the Christ that we represent. If Christianity is not real. Well then we should be against it. There's no room for neutral ground. Why halt ye between two opinions? The question that was asked in the time of Elijah. To the people of Israel. If the Lord God Jehovah is God. Well then follow him. If Baal is the God. Well then follow him. But you're not to remain neutral. You must be on one side or the other. You must be for or against. Jesus Christ threatens this church with punishment. The next verse, verse 16, tells us that. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. As lukewarm water turns the stomach, and so often provokes spewing. Lukewarm professors of Christianity turn the heart of Christ. He is nauseated. Such a church, such a Christian, makes him sick. But despite the impending danger, looming over this church, Christ in mercy and grace, he is pleased to, to give an invitation to the individual members of that church. And we come to our text of Scripture tonight. It's Revelation 3 and 20, if you haven't guessed what I want to to preach on, the gracious knock upon the sinner's heart. But here, here is the gracious invitation to the church initially. Jesus is on the outside. you want to note that? He's not in there worshiping with them. He's on the outside. The works of these people, the lukewarmness, Neither cold nor hot had caused the Lord to stand at a distance. And he's on the outside. But he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man, any individual, any man or woman in that church. Hear my voice. Hear's my voice. Opens the door. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He's talking about fellowship. The church itself was lukewarm. But there may be individuals in that church that were concerned about the state of their heart. And so the Lord gives this gracious invitation. Now though it was sent to Christians and is applicable in the first instance to God's people. There is a very powerful application to those who know not the Savior. Because what we have in this text is often used to challenge those without Christ. Because these words illustrate the gracious call of the gospel to those who know not the Lord. And that's the way we're going to look at it tonight. This knock that Christ gives on the door of your heart. Four quick things I want to say. First of all, there's the loving knock of Christ. Jesus is a savior of love. I want you to know that in this mission. And if you take nothing away more than that tonight, I want you to know that he loves you. He's a Savior that's concerned for you. He's a Savior that's willing to extend his mercy and his grace to you. Nobody can deny the love of Christ. And I see one standing outside the door who is love, whose name is love. Indeed, Jesus Christ is love incarnate. Oh, it was love. It was wondrous love. The love of God to me that sent my Savior from above to die on Calvary. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his love. The Savior is pictured in several ways, pleading with and entreating the sinner to come to him for salvation. And, And this is infinite divine mercy. To think that he who is God, higher than the heavens, holy and righteous and pure, should plead plead with his creation, plead with mankind, sinful mankind. When you consider how, how great and full of majesty God is, it's a wonder that he should even think about us at all. Man fell. From that holy estate in which he was created. And rebelled against the Lord. And despitefully entreated his creator. And we might therefore expect God to forsake us utterly. And abandon us altogether. But that he should show mercy, love and grace is beyond human comprehension. And we sang it tonight in the opening hymn. One of my favorite hymns. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And there is a line that speaks about that love being beyond human comprehension. How true it is. I can't take that in. I can't grasp it. I can't understand it. Why God Almighty should love me a guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner. And yet it is so. And thus in the scripture we observe this all-compassionate, merciful God... Pleading with sinners to be reconciled to him. Imploring souls to come to Him with the might of life. This is illustrated in a number of ways. Let me mention a few. It's very striking that we see God represented as one with outstretched hands. Standing with outstretched hands toward a rebellious, a disobedient people. As he pleads with them. To repent of their sin and by faith lay hold upon him. Do you see God tonight with an outstretched hand towards you, dear sinner? He's also viewed as a broken hearted father. One of the most beautiful and the most moving stories that we have in all the Bible is the parable of the prodigal son. The young man that left home wanted his inheritance early, couldn't wait for his father to die came to his father and really demanded what was due to him when his father would pass from the scene of time. He took that money, not many days later, off he went to the far country. And the Bible says he wasted the money in riotous living. And if the brother was right, and we don't know whether the accusation of the brother at the end of the story was right or not, he wasted his money on harlots, moral living. That might have been true. But he certainly wasted it. And he spent everything that he had. Famine broke out. As a Jew he was reduced to feeding the swine. Which were the unclean animals. To the Jewish people. One day as he sat at the swine trough. He thought about his father's house. Thought about what it used to be like for him. As a son in that family. How well off he was. He didn't realize it at the time. But he was well off. He was loved. He was cared for. He was provided for. And he purposed in his heart to go home. And purposed in his heart to go home with a repentant heart. And to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against thee. Didn't feel he was even worthy to take up the position of a son. Just make me a servant. And you know the story, how beautiful it is. This father who would believe sat and watched for his son to come home. Sitting one day, looking down the lane of his farm, could see the form of a man coming towards him. And as he looked and stared that little bit more, he recognized it all, albeit he lost weight. He was dressed in rags. He recognized it to be his son. Didn't wait for the son to get to the house. He ran, the Bible says. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he reinstated him, not as a servant, but as a son. Gave him the best robe. You know that picture is God. A God who is broken hearted when those out there wander in sin. Especially those that have had the privileges of the father's house. And off they go into the world. And they waste everything. And yet here is one who was waiting to receive the prodigal coming home. He's also pictured as the concerned shepherd if you think of the uh, parable previous to that one. The parable of the hundred sheep or the lost sheep. Ninety-nine were safely gathered into the fold and there they were protected. But there was one who had wandered out into the mountains wild and barren. And off goes the shepherd. And that's God seeking even for the one lost sheep. Not content that the 99 are safely gathered in, but there's one, and out he goes seeking and searching, and that is God with his love, seeking after the sinner. He's also here in this passage of Scripture, viewed as a Saviour standing outside the door, calling, pleading, knocking, if you like. Do you hear him knocking on your heart's door? And my friends, it's a knock of love. He loves the sinner. Notice his hand. Notice the hand that is knocking on your door. It's the nail-pierced hand of Christ. He's been to the cross. He shed his blood for your salvation. He suffered. Think of the, the wounds of Christ. Think of the, the spikes driven into his hands and feet. Think of the, the agony that... That he endured. To ignore this knock. Is to ignore. The love of Christ. Crucified. And he comes to your door tonight. He, he draws near in mercy. And he would say to you. Behold my hand. As I knock upon the door. My nail pierced hand. See my hands and my feet. See my thorn crown brow. And, and my riven side. See that the sins of the world. Transferred to me. As I become. Sin for those who were sinners. See your punishment laid upon me as I take your place at the cross. See me as I enter the darkness and the suffering of hell, because that's what happened at Calvary. See my wounds, my bruising, my piercing, my infinite love. How can you turn away from such love tonight? I don't understand it. I pray today. As I was thinking about the mission tonight, Lord, help sinners in this mission to see the love of Christ. If you could just see that love, I think it would make a difference in your life. There's no greater drawing power that will bring anyone to the Savior than the love of Christ for fallen humanity. May you see his love. May you see the, the, the Christ hanging upon the cross of Calvary. For that's the great demonstration of his love Towards you and me as Jesus knocks on your heart door. It's a knock of love. But not only is there the the loving knock of Christ, there is the the longing knock of Christ, because the word that is used here suggests a longing, a desiring after a response. My, the Lord is looking for that response. He's he's yearning after you to respond to his loving knock. There he stands pleading, but your heart's door is shut. Shut fast. And you refuse to let him in. He wants to enter. He, he wants you to yield your life to him. And unless you open the door, he will not come in. Because you see the latch is on the inside. You must open the door. You must The hymn writer says swing your heart's door widely open bid him enter while you may this longing is wonderfully illustrated in the the story that I mentioned the story of the prodigal son because as I see that father I see in the heart of that father not only love for his son that had gone astray but a longing and I do see him in my mind's eye as I I visualise the scene as a father that sat there maybe at the kitchen window, whatever window was there at the front of the house, looking down the lane, longing every day that his son would come home. His boy went into the far country to live it up and was brought to poverty and rags. And he remembered and he repented. And in the next sentence, there he is with his father's arms around him with a kiss of forgiveness on his face and a ring of sonship on his finger and the best robe over his body. I want you to know that Christ yearns over sinners. He longs for sinners to come to him. You, you cannot read about the tears of Christ over Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41 But without detecting the deep desire of a loving Saviour and a longing Saviour, when he came into view of that city just before his death, when the crowds had come to, to cheer him in what we call the triumphal ride of Christ into the city of Jerusalem, he was not taken up with the cheers and the applause and the shouts of the people, he was taken up with the inhabitants of the city. Who were lost in their sin. And the Lord Jesus yearned over them. And he longed over them. And the Bible says that Jesus wept over that city. I listened to him lament. Over that people that were doomed. Oh Jerusalem. Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered thy children together. As a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And ye would not. That's Pleading. That's the pleading heart of a loving Savior. That's the knocking of a compassionate Lord. Oh, I want you to sense and feel the longing of Christ over your perishing soul. He desires to bring you life and forgiveness and and mercy and peace. But you stubbornly reject him. And you've done that for a long time. And that leads me on to my third point. And that is the lingering knock of Christ. Remember what I said earlier? He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And thus he lingers. He lingers at your door. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not walked away. That, that's what we would do if we went to a door and we knocked and we knocked No matter how persistent we were, even if we stayed for five or ten minutes, I think you would have left long before that. But if there's no answer, we would walk away. But not so, the dear Savior, because he keeps knocking. He keeps lingering. And tonight, as you sit in this gospel meeting and you listen to his word, this is not the first time that he's knocked. There may be the very odd occasion that someone might wander into a mission like this. And in all honesty, it is the first time that they've heard. But I, I suspect for 99% of the people here, it's not the first time that you've heard him knock on your heart's door. He's been standing there for a long time. How long has it been for you? Some of you might have to say, preacher, it's been years, years. He stood there and years that i rejected him. Some of you are 35. You feel so young, don't you? But remember, if three score years and ten is anything to go by—an average lifespan. You're halfway, and over those 35 years that God, in His mercy, has given you and spurred you, how many times has He knocked on your heart's door? For some of you, it's more than 35 years. You're, you're double that. And maybe even a little bit more. But time and time again he has visited you. Time and time again he has come. And he has knocked. Oh sinner. The saviour is calling for thee. Long, long has he called thee in vain. But every time he knocked. You shut the door. You refused to open the door. You ignore his entreaty, you spurn his call. Indeed, you you bolt the door and you say, there's no room for you, Jesus, in my heart. There's no room for you in my life. I don't want Christ in my life. Because that's what you're saying. You're not saying audibly. That's what you're saying in your heart. When Jesus comes and he knocks and you refuse it and you ignore it, you're saying no to Jesus. I don't want you. You're not going to have a say in my life. In fact, you're maybe saying, be gone with you. I don't want to hear from you any longer. But you know, the Lord, even then, did not walk away. Isn't that grace? Isn't that mercy? He did not immediately withdraw. And we can be glad about that. He waited on in infinite patience, even until his very head was wet with the dew, that beautiful picture. In the song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 2. When the beloved comes to the door. And knocks on the door. And tries the latch at the door. And it's closed. And how he pleads at the door. He talks about his locks being wet with the dew. Suggesting that he's been there all night. And the dew has come down. And the very hairs of his head have become wet. Waiting. Waiting. For the answer. Until he withdrew through and went away. That's the Christ of God. He's called you, hasn't he? Lingering. Often he's knocked by his word. This is the principal way through which God speaks. Some say, I'm not saved yet because God has never called me. Has he not called you? How many sermons have you listened to? How many times has he spoken to you through the word of the living God? Again and again. And you've heard him say to you, come unto me all ye that are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You've heard him say, as he did to Nicodemus, he must be born again, as he's called you in grace and knocked upon your heart's door. You've listened as he warns, God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. Remember, he's not willing that any should perish. And so he's called you often through the scriptures of truth. And then he's called you through the spirit, hasn't he? You've sat in meetings like this and you've felt something in here. Just like those people in the day of Pentecost as they, they listened to the sermon of Peter. They were, they were pricked in their heart. You've felt that. You've felt the Lord tugging in here. and You've been concerned. You've been troubled about your soul. What's been happening, the Holy Spirit is applying the Word of God and the true scripture to your mind and your heart and your conscience is affected. And the Spirit of God has been striving with you and calling you. Haven't you felt those impressions inwardly? Those convictions, those promptings? I think it's true to say that he's called you by a godly mother. A godly father. Some other loved one in the family And they're saved and they're concerned for you. And they've talked to you, haven't they, about your soul? See, that's God knocking. As the witness is made. As people who are troubled in their heart about your state. Your own converted state. As they speak to you and implore you to turn to Christ. That's the Lord speaking. That's the Lord knocking. How many of you were raised in Christian homes? How many of you have had the godly influence of the Bible? Read to you and prayer offered with you, even as children. And then you can look back, he's called you through the Sunday school teacher, he's called you through a tract that has been handed into your hand, he's called you through the open air witness as you've passed by, he's called you maybe even through an accident or illness. And you've momentarily been brought to feel and sense your mortality and know I'm going to die someday. And if this disease takes me or if this accident, Takes my life, I'm lost forevermore. And even then, God was speaking through ill things that happened in your life. And He's spoken through divine goodness and mercy too. He gives you good things, good health, good homes, good food, good friends. And the Bible says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's God's knock upon your door, the fact that He's good to you every day of your life. It's Jesus knocking. One final thing to notice as we think of the Lord knocking. And that is the last knock. I must come to this. Someday you'll hear God's final call to you. And though he knocks long, he will not knock forever. The day of grace will come to an end. My spirit shall not always strive with man. You keep saying no. You keep ignoring his call. You keep neglecting the knocks of Christ. You keep bolting the door. I tell you, one day he will walk away. Because Jesus can leave a man. He can leave a woman. And there's no hope there for that person. But I want to tell you in this mission, he's here. And he's near to us. And he's standing by. And he's knocking and he's waiting right now. What should you do? Let him in. Can't you hear him? Don't you, you want to hear him? Now, that's a difference, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, children who have ears. They don't always hear. And many times have they said, Daddy, I, I didn't hear you. Well, really, the truth is, you didn't listen to me. All right, they probably did hear, but they weren't. They weren't listening. Many sinners do not listen. They're dull in their hearing. Oh, he's calling, he's knocking, but they don't hear. Dr. Harry Clark, who was for some years the song leader for the great evangelist Billy Sunday, wrote a little chorus. At the heart's door, the Savior is waiting. At the heart's door, fast closed by sin. Don't you hear him gently knocking? Draw the bolt and let him in. That's what you need to do. Because you see, Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man, any woman, any boy or girl, hear my voice and open the door. I will come in, draw the bolt, let him in, don't shut him out any longer, may you come to Christ tonight, let's pray. Oh gracious God, what mercy is this, that God did not abandon this world and did not leave us to ourselves, to die without a saviour and go to hell forever but he intervened and he sent the saviour and he sent a saviour who loved this world we thank you tonight that we can say that Christ loved us and we thank you that we know that the greatest proof of that love is the cross and Jesus took our place and bled and died for us, suffered for us took our hell our punishment, that we could go free. And Lord, we praise you that you not only came, but you came knocking and you're still knocking. And you've lingered so long with with many, many an individual. They've come to missions, they've sat in meetings, they've been brought up in the gospel and they would have to admit tonight hundreds and hundreds of times they've heard the word and Christ has been calling and They've ignored every call and they've shut the Lord out. But Lord, make them realize there could come the last one, the last knock, that the Spirit will not always strive. And should it be tonight, they've missed it, missed it forever. Lord, may they sit up with the ears to hear and may they hear what the Spirit is saying. Take away the words of man. Let the word of God live in the hearts of men and women tonight. Draw them to Christ. Lord, may they draw back the boat and let them in. For Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. We have a closing hymn. The sinner, the Savior, is calling for thee. This is what we're talking about. He's knocking, knocking, calling for thee, long, long, has he called thee up until this moment? Tonight. When you think about what the hymn writer is saying here. It's so true. May God speak to your heart even as we sing the closing hymn. We're here after the meeting, and you've maybe got a Christian friend or loved one with you. If you're concerned about your soul, speak about it. Don't let the devil keep you silent and the devil take you home without the Lord. Speak about and say, I, I, I would love to be saved. I'd love to get right with God. And we can have the opportunity after the meeting's over to point you to Christ. It's the most important.